0: Welcome to our inaugural Today with ISS Source podcast. When you look around the industry these days, it's abundantly clear we're going through or have gone through a drastic change in how we conduct business during this global pandemic. And while companies and workers are planning to start to get back to the office, security workers need to prepare for the next normal. When the world went into work-from-home mode, remote access was given out freely as everyone had to scurry to get people to work and allow them to connect into the facility. Those days are going away, or are they? Now is the time to get a program together to truly understand who needs remote access and, and who does not. Joining us today on our podcast is Vice President Cybersecurity Services at Schneider Electric, Jay Abdallah to discuss long-term adoption of cyber plans in the next normal. Jay, it's great to have you here today.
1: It's my pleasure. Good morning, Greg, thanks for having me.
0: Well, great. And let me start off by asking, with this uh, global pandemic, I mean, how has cybersecurity changed in the OT space?
1: You know, we've seen quite a tremendous change just in these past six months and specifically to the OT space. You know, cybersecurity has always been a major component when it comes to enterprise-class infrastructures, specifically information technology. But with regards to OT-specific solution sets, what we're seeing is that these have shifted more towards the operational capacities. So we're, we're looking to protect the operational capacity. And what that typically means is that the idea of cyber has become substantially more critical. Now, the entirety of what we've depended on in the past 10 years of isolation and segmentation is really no longer at least easy to do. We, we had many of our customers, of course, that, that didn't have the ability to send people home. They still had to man the sites, especially in some of these critical infrastructure systems. But for the most part, everybody was working from home. So that immediately increase the priority from a security perspective in the OT space as one of the most critical and most important operational priorities.
0: I mean, has this accelerated, you know, stronger adoption of cybersecurity from your perspective, or has it put it off in an effort to make sure that these people are up and running?
1: It's funny you mentioned that, Greg, because it's kind of had a bit of a split. So when it comes to the overall picture, without a doubt, it has accelerated stronger adoption. Now, with that being said, the main technology, as you mentioned, is some element of secure remote access. We wanna make sure that one or many of our employees have the ability to access securely one or many of the sites that they are responsible to administer. Now, with that being said, we have also had customers that have said, okay, That's it. We're not going to have any kind of connection to the outside world based upon what's happening. We'll have a skeleton crew that will stay manned. But from a segmentation perspective, that is our our biggest wall to protect from the outside world. But for the most part, again, to answer the question in, in generic terms, without a doubt, it has accelerated substantially stronger adoption of security policies and the building of security management systems. So it's not just about the technology, but it's actually about having a fully incorporated cybersecurity management system into the corporate culture.
0: Now you mentioned technology there and what I've seen and I you know maybe you can clarify it a little bit more. It seems like to me, security was always, you know, the three-legged stool, right? People processing technology. But it seems like the technology seems to be gaining a little bit more, it seems to be taking off a little bit more. And and people are becoming more reliant on that. Is that are you seeing that or is that or am I completely off on that?
1: No, we, we definitely see the same thing, Greg. I mean, technology at the end of the day is what's allowing us, it's enabling us to continue to be able to operate our environments from secure or remote locations. So for those that are working either centrally at home and having the, the distributed need to connect to many facilities, or in some cases, we've got centralized you know smaller offices that are being permitted to access uh, network infrastructures remotely using similar types of technologies. So without a doubt, the dependency on technology has substantially increased. But of course, like we've spoken about many times before, Greg, we can't forget about that all encompassing and all important third portion of the cybersecurity triad. And that is making sure that to enable the technology to work at its peak, we've got to have policies and procedures in place that are showing us how to use the technology and what kind of acceptable practices are required. And then of course the people themselves must also at least be trained to the level to understand where these threats could come from, what the potential impact could be, and give them the basic level of training that they require to operate the systems themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I think I know the answer to this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you seen a difference between companies that have had cybersecurity plans in place beforehand than those that haven't? I mean, are they able to operate and be a little bit more agile than the companies that haven't been, you know, they weren't as secure before?
1: Definitely. The major aspect that we have seen in terms of the differences have come down to the policies. I'll give you an example. What we have seen based upon the research, and in some cases, even some direct examples, we've seen an increase of over 300% of phishing and malicious activities at external company perimeters. What we've seen when we cross-reference that with organizations that have very strong cybersecurity plans, which includes a very specific policy set of how to react to this type of malicious behavior versus those organizations that have only had, for example, external Firewall or perimeter protection, internal controls that are protecting the host and the network without necessarily having a specific plan, the impact has been substantially different. In some cases, we've seen that certain trains or production lines have had to be shut down, not only because of malicious impact, but just because of the increased risk and the possibility of that production line being taken down by a cyber attack, has subsequently forced some of these organizations to make a change with respect to building upon or at least uh, expediting the build of a cybersecurity plan. So no question about it. Those that were prepared going into this pandemic are certainly faring better than those that weren't.
0: Now, were those companies also the ones that had a plan in place? I mean, they were they more willing to adapt to change, looking at newer technology approaches, kind of you know, like digitization and, and you know cloud kinds of things?
1: Certainly. You know, digital transformation is a big part of the cybersecurity story. As a matter of fact, we like to call cybersecurity as one of the foundation partners of digital transformation. So when we see plans that are already in place and that have a relatively moderate to high level of maturity, without any shadow of a doubt, it's much easier to make a pit in strategy and to accept newer technologies than it would be if we didn't have anything in place to begin with. And one of those technologies, of course, comes down to secure remote access or encryption capabilities in general. What kind of encryption is required in order to establish and maintain these connections to make sure that data in transit and data at rest is consistently secure? And without a doubt, having a plan in place beforehand will help us to see the bigger picture, which obviously helps to ease the transitionary process.
0: I've talked to various people over the past few months, and they're saying, you know, the beauty of when everybody was in the office is they can kind of control the environment. But when people are working at home, you know, they're working off of their home network and then connecting into the office. And that that just makes the attack surface, it seems like, uh, that much more open. I mean, have you seen that? And and are you seeing that people are having a difficult time dealing with that? Or is it something that's just another rung up the ladder of security?
1: So there's two chapters to this story, Greg. When we talk about the introduction of newer assets into a remote environment, which subsequently have the possibility to interface with an enterprise or a production environment, In most cases, the first chapter of the story would be corporate assets, corporate assets that follow similar security policies that are bound to the same technical controls that anything within the office would be like, for example, our Schneider electric laptops. As we were talking before we started this chat, there's no doubt that we have very specific levels of security parameters that must be followed. Those are centrally controlled, et cetera. So if I'm sitting at home dialing in using my corporate approved laptop with my corporate approved security tools, then the impact is going to be substantially less. The only difference, of course, being the volume of people that are connecting and the bandwidth restraints that we have seen definitely take place. I don't know about you, but all of our remote meeting and collation services, meeting services and conference call services were impacted just because of the bandwidth challenges. Everybody was sitting at home connecting. So, when it comes to these types of assets that are connecting, there's been a, a relatively moderate change. However, second chapter of the story is those assets that for just like you had mentioned, uh, they could be completely home-based assets that don't necessarily have a specific security policy applied and may not necessarily be part of the control set that would be under asset management. And those have definitely had a major change. Now, initially what ends up happening is these systems go into quarantine, right? Everybody's been talking about the word quarantine. This particular time, we're talking about it in a technical sense. So typically what we've seen is that initial connection attempts make it so that these systems go into quarantine until they can self-remediate. At least that's how network access control should work, where an unidentified asset that doesn't necessarily meet specific security criteria shouldn't be completely shunned, instead, just like we talk about IT OT convergence, just like we talk about the possibility to interface with cloud systems, there's definitely a way to do it if you take into consideration the security requirements. So in this particular case, These systems that may not necessarily have the same level of control or policy already implemented would go into quarantine until they can self-remediate, which means they're fully patched, they have the right software installed, they have the wrong software uninstalled, they have credentials fixed, and any other security requirements brought up to the level that meets minimum criteria, at which point they're allowed access to the network. So again, it has an impact on bandwidth, and in this particular case, it does have an impact on the operation, but there's always ways to mitigate that.
0: Mm -hmm now we work in an industry that kind of prides itself and um if it ain't broke don't fix it and it, the change is slow i mean let's face it it is how do you or have you seen i should say the adoption or the the ability to uh, adjust to change have you seen that increase and are your people more willing to accept change now
1: You know, Greg, in terms of priorities of the vast majority of these organizations that we're dealing with on a regular basis, continuous operation is absolutely critical. So in many cases, they really don't have a choice. This is the new norm. The world that we live in today is taking a shape of its own. We take into consideration just commercial aviation, traveling from one state to another or from one country to another. I'm about to embark on on a 8,000 mile journey coming up next week. And frankly speaking, I know it's going to be substantially different than what I'm used to. Uh, This is going to, of course, even at the very end, include a COVID test on my arrival airport. So without any shadow of a doubt, we've seen the change as a absolutely mandatory compliance to understand and recognize what we need to work and operate within the world that we live in today. Now, to answer your question a little bit more specifically, some organizations, just like you had mentioned, have adapted to this change slower than some others have, especially those in critical infrastructure or perhaps in energy and power, oil and gas industries where they've been working in a specific capacity for so long. They understand how that environment works and change takes a a bit longer to pallet than it would in some other environments that are a lot more dynamic. So in this particular case, I would say we really don't have a choice, Greg. If we're looking to operate in this new normal, we definitely have to be ready to make changes to our strategy and pivot where it's necessary to pivot.
0: Now I'm going to ask you to put your little uh, crystal ball in front of you and say, you know, right now it's, you know, everybody was working from home and it seems to be, working, I guess, to various levels. But when things are really starting to get back to normal, whatever that is anymore, what do you see the future looking like in terms of the workspace? And I mean, do you see it as being a lot more people working at home, a lot more people going back to the office, kind of a hybrid form of both? Or what do you see? And I guess. Then that leads into the question of how does that play for the security person? Because before, it seems like they did a blanket access, remote access, everybody gets it. But now, if it's coming back, where you how do you distinguish the ability to allow that remote access? And so, I mean, I think there are about four or five questions in there. But I mean, how are you seeing the future? I mean, what is that going to look like?
1: If I look at my crystal ball, which is probably just glass, <laughs> I would have to say, I assume that this is a reality check in efficiency. When we take into consideration the fact that we were able to run our businesses, our businesses did not collapse. Everybody worked from home. We figured out how to do it. It's that human spirit of adapting to change, adapting to difficult situation, and putting our best foot forward, that ultimately will spell out what kind of trajectory we can see in the future. So when we look at our ability to be efficient with the reduced numbers going to office, or in many cases, the complete elimination of people going to offices, once things start going back to normal, we're going to remember that. We're going to start remembering. Do we really need to get on an airplane and have that meeting or that workshop face to face? Do we really need ten or twelve people to take international flights and meet in a centralized location in order to get the same value out of it? I'm one of those, and maybe this is just an old school mentality. I truly believe that collaboration with others on a face to face basis, working and collaborating in the same office, especially when you're going through a deep dive workshop and trying to put together a strategy or a plan, without a doubt, it's more impactful and I do believe that we can get more out of it face-to-face. However, what we're going to start realizing that there's a substantial cost associated with that. So we're going to start looking at this from an opportunistic perspective. How can we reach a certain level of productivity and a certain level of efficiency without necessarily having to spend as much as we did previously? So I definitely think the the footprint in terms of office space is going to substantially reduce. In terms of technology and from the security perspective, I'm under the opinion that these secure access technologies, whether that be hardware-based, software-based, cloud-based, these technologies are going to start becoming much more readily available. Licensing models are going to start becoming easier to afford for small and medium businesses, and eventually, If you have an employee badge and you work for company XYZ, most likely you're going to have that access to securely connect from anywhere in the world, which is going to even bring us closer together from a global perspective because we literally will be able to do our work from anywhere. In my particular situation, Greg, we talked about this just before we got started. I usually split the time of my year, a few months of the year here in the United States and the rest I'm based in the UAE. My plan was to return to the UAE in the third week of March, but the UAE ended up closing their borders literally three days before my scheduled flight. And I've been stuck here for the past four months. I didn't lose any bit of production. I've been able to securely connect every single day. As a matter of fact, I'm probably busier now with back-to-back meetings than I ever was by going to the office and having face-to-face. So there is going to be kind of that juggling of, performance capability, getting the output of what we expect versus the efficiencies and cost savings that we can see as a lesson learned from this pandemic. Technologically speaking, I think everybody should have the same level of security controls on their remote devices, on their mobile devices, and on their office devices, and absolutely should have high encryption capability to connect to their central facilities at any given notice from anywhere they are around the world, so long as they have a stable internet connection.
0: Has the pandemic kind of forced the issue of creating a more holistic security program for a company for a manufacturer versus a, you know, just focusing on the manufacturing enterprise? I mean, do you think that this is the kind of thing that is gonna like bring out a, a wider security net for any kind of manufacturer? Possibly, Greg. Possibly, but not with certainty. I would still
1: say operational stability, compatibility, functionality within a manufacturing facility, within any industrial or energy management facility, it's still the priority. I mean, we we still want to make sure that the operation itself within the boundaries of what we do in order to generate revenue and earn a profit, that's definitely the primary focus. Now, whatever security is required to maintain That level of operational stability, that's still the focus. What has been shifted, however, is the inclusion of gaining access to this infrastructure in a secure manner from remote facilities and, of course, people being remotely connecting. So with that being said, I would say that management systems or security management systems possibly could change to evolve into a little bit more dynamic connection capabilities or opportunities to connect dynamically. But in terms of the operational stability, I would say it's still as high as it always has been. Now, mind you, we mentioned just a little while ago that there's been a substantial increase in malicious traffic since the pandemic started. I don't think that's gonna go away. So the same level of controls and the the level of security and, and risk reduction methods that we have already have implemented are still going to be prevalent. They're still going to be important. They're certainly not going to be reduced by any means. However, in terms of change, I would say that that element of connectivity is really going to be the biggest change that we see.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I always like to ask everyone, um, because it's always great to hear them, uh, you know, any kind of best practices. And in terms of remote access, I mean, do you have um, any kind of thoughts or ideas on like some really good best practices that users can employ to ensure a a, like a solid kind of environment
1: yeah i mean we've partnered with many organizations that do indeed provide some very strong encryption and hardware or software-based connection capabilities to make sure that the connection that is established is secure End-to-end encryption is enabled. And then of course the data that we are, whether or not we're accessing that data or moving that data is also secure by design. So my recommendation would be to ensure that high degrees of encryption are a default consideration. I prefer hardware solutions versus software. In many cases, it's definitely not possible. End-to-end hardware that is pre-configured at a site, that has the capability of ensuring that a connection is established, those are very difficult to break into. So without a doubt, that's a recommendation. We use both because obviously in many cases, we don't have the ability to ship hardware or pre-configure hardware from a certain site to another. So without any shadow of a doubt, there are also some software-based solutions. As long as that encryption is high enough to meet my security needs and reduce my risk profile, that's extremely important. The other thing that I would recommend is that Establishing and maintaining a connection in an encrypted means is just not enough. We also have to, have to have the ability to audit that trail. So whether that be recording the sessions, definitely at an absolute minimum, logging the sessions, understanding when these sessions were established and disconnected, who established it, how long were they connected for, where did they connect in from, etc. The ability to trace that and input it into a security information management system, a seam collector or a log analyzer that's able to collate data, that's definitely going to help. The third element that I would re- recommend here is central controls. So we've already talked about the establishment of secure connections. We've talked about the fact that we need to make sure that we're auditing that security connection or recording that security connection. The last thing is making sure that your security controls are installed, they're configured correctly, And they're updated on a regular and consistent basis to make sure that your levels of security have grown at least to the level that is absolutely the minimum required in order for you to make that connection to your corporate entity.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate that. And Jay, I appreciate you taking the time today. I'm glad we're able to spend a few moments together. And I will say, so for Jay Abdallah, this is uh, Greg Hale saying uh, stay safe and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you, Greg. Always my pleasure.